Amen. God is so good. We are very excited today to have Pastor Mark Francie with us. Um, we, you guys are going to get spoiled today. I hope you're ready to receive the word. Who's ready to receive a word from God? Come on. Open up your hearts today. He is a friend of the house, a friend of our pastors, um, lead pastor at Ocean's Church. We keep hearing about Ocean's Church. We keep hearing God is moving in Southern California. So we are so honored to have you today. Um, let's stand up and welcome Pastor Mark today. Thanks, brother. Love you guys. Thank you so much. Come on, can we got a good hand clap today in the house? I love this church. My gosh, I'm going to move to Phoenix and start coming to this church. Y'all got Maverick City up here? I heard Optimus Prime singing from the piano today. I'm like, my goodness, this place is anointed. My man Chuck on the drums. Who loves Chuck on the drums? I love that guy. Our worship, one of our worship leaders is Bodie. He was on The Voice, and Chuck's his drummer in his band. So I'm like, this is a family reunion today. I was about to hop up here myself, get on the cowbell. Can I get a witness? I was fired up. I'm so excited to be here. So who's ready to have a good time in church today? Anybody ready to have a good time? Just jumping out of my skin. First service was so fun. Love this place. It feels like home. I had the privilege of speaking here years ago. It's probably five or six years ago, uh, right before we started our church. And uh, it's so good to be back. I love, I love, I love your pastors. I don't know if you guys know this, but... Pastor, doctor, uh, whatever, apostle, prophet, deacon, elder. He does, he's, he's a man of many titles. But Dr. Maiden is, and Miss Mary are some of the great leaders of the body of Christ today. Would you guys give your pastors a huge hand clap? Our church just adores your pastors. Dr. Maiden's just been a prophetic voice in my life. I feel like those conversations me and God have alone, Dr. Maiden somehow snuck in. And he's given me words before. I'm like, I haven't told anybody that. And it, there was one time we went through a pretty hard season, and I called Dr. Maiden, and it was such an accurate prophetic word. I felt like God was talking to me, and Dr. Maiden was just there. It was that real. And I'm so grateful for this church. Today, Ocean's Church, we sowed $5,000 into this church because we're so grateful for the impact you've had on us. Your pastors have blessed our church. Okay to be a generous church today? I just feel like God is unlocking, I feel like God is unlocking some of you, you've been stuck financially. And I just feel like today, God's gonna get you unstuck. This is the end. I have a prophetic message I wanna share with you today. But I heard the Lord as I was praying this week for you. He told me to prophesy over the church today and say, the drought is over. Anybody believe that God is a drought ending God? He is a famine-ending God. Anybody believe that God is the God that can end wars? He is the Prince of Peace. Anybody believe in the Prince of Peace today in Arizona? About 65 people. We'll get there. We're going to have a good time today. If, if you get bored today, I want you to know you're a boring person. Because I'm not a boring preacher. And I'm excited to be here today. I have a word for you. And I just want to say, I love your pastors. I love Pastor Matt and Candace as well. I listened to the last three weeks of your messages. I, I, I listened about Jedediah, powerful message. I listened about this message that Candace, Pastor Candace and Pastor Matt shared about strengthening and standing up. I love that they shared there's no reverse in the kingdom of God. And I, I heard about hot Christians. Any hot Christians in the house? Hungry obedient and thankful. 
I'm like, Dr. Maiden's a, he's a good preacher. I just love him so much. But uh, honored to be here today. My wife and our church sends their greetings. I married out of my league, celebrated 18 years of marriage. And we have two, two little girls. That's my wife, Rochelle. As you can tell, I am a full-time trophy husband. <laughs> Hurts that you laugh. And uh, I have a daughter. I have two daughters. I have a 15-year-old and I have an 8-year-old. And uh, they send their greetings. We started Oceans Church in uh, South Orange County, California in 2018. And then COVID, uh, Armageddon, whatever you want to call it, that hit in 2020, as some of you know. Uh, didn't seem to affect Arizona as much as California. <laughs> I actually came here during COVID. I'm like, there's normal places still. <laughs> and uh, I'm so honored. Um, just all that God has done. It's been a special season. Our church just turned five years old, and it's been a really just a sovereign move of God. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate the clap. My mom's here. I think my mom started that clap somewhere. But I'm so thankful, man. God's been so kind to us. Seen over about, we've seen over 10,000 people give their lives to Jesus in five years. And uh, just this Pentecost Sunday in May, our church rallied and we organized an event called Baptize Southern California. And we actually hosted the largest water baptism in American history. We baptized 4,200 people at Pirate's Cove. And um, it was just so special. We believe that God isn't done with California. And if God can revive California, he can revive any state. People always tell me, Mark, California's going to fall into the ocean. I'm like, you're right, Ocean's Church. I'll take that prophecy. And uh, I'm just so excited for today. I have a word I want to share with you. Before I do, I want to just, one of my best friends came with me. He's a philosopher and a CEO, one of the smartest guys I know. Would you guys welcome Paul here on the front row to Arizona? It's his first time at your church. He loves Miss Mary and Dr. Maiden so much. He goes, wait, you're speaking at Dr. Maiden's church? Can I come? I'm like, you're in. And my friend Brandon's here today too. Brandon, would you give me a wave? You're somewhere in the back here. Brandon, there he is over there. Brandon, it's good to have you here today too. All my smart friends are here. He's a venture capitalist. And so I'm like, just give me good advice, guys. I want to retire at 39. And I'm 39 right now. So uh, we got a long ways to go, short time to get there. You guys ready to have a good time? I'm sorry. When I got saved at 18, God did not rapture my sense of humor. So... I'm going to tell some jokes today. I know Dr. Maiden tells jokes every Sunday, so I feel at home here. Miss Mary is one of the funniest people I know, and so I'm excited. Uh, I loved how she did a little drive-by sneaky blessing at her friend's house for Halloween. I was following you, and I loved it. Uh, but we're going to have a good time. You ready to have a good time today? Luke chapter 5, um, I'm excited. Uh, I want to talk to you today about ending, ending droughts, ending droughts. And uh, Luke chapter 5, if you're brand new to church, I'm going to read 11 verses. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read those. I'm going to pray. I have five points. Might get into all of them today. But more importantly, I just want to just go where the Holy Spirit leads us today. But I just, I felt like before I got started, one of my mentors, Pastor Benny Perez, he told me that it's good to do some drive-by, drive-by words before you get started. So last night as I was praying, I heard God tell me that there was someone that was going to be here today that was a pastor's son. You've been away from God for several years, and God wanted you to know that today's the day of salvation. I think you're sitting somewhere towards the back of this room, but God wanted me at the very beginning of this message to single you out and say there's a good plan, a good future, and you can run from God, but you can't outrun God. Do you believe it in Arizona today? 
I heard God say that there was someone with tuberculosis that was going to be healed in this service today. He said there was someone here, actually I got this in worship, he said there was someone here that you got a gastric balloon installed into your stomach, something did not go well with it, I think that your name might even be Fernando, and God said he's going to heal your stomach today. Who believes that God can heal stomachs today? And finally, one of my good friends this last Sunday at our church got healed of a cataract issue in his eyes, and God said there's someone here that has cataracts, the doctor said they can't really do a surgery on your eyes, but God wanted me to tell you that he can. And uh, he is the greatest optometrist in Arizona. Did you know that? He's also the greatest cardiologist. He's the greatest neurologist. He's the greatest therapist. Do you believe it in Arizona today? He is the great physician. So I'm just praying that God is going to heal all over this room. If you believe it, shout a good amen. So we're going to just set the stage for that. And lastly, there's someone here you haven't talked to a family member in seven years And I just felt like this week, God is going to supernaturally restore a relationship with a father or with a son, a daughter, or a mother. How many believe that God is a God that restores the hearts of the fathers to the sons? It's going to happen this week. If you believe it, shout amen. Amen. Luke chapter 4. I want to talk today in this, this passage, familiar for many that have been in church. It's actually a story of a fishing drought. It's two times in Scripture that professional fishermen went out and they caught nothing. And they didn't catch anything until they obeyed the voice of God. I actually believe that this is true still today, that God's word is what unlocks the the, the surplus of heaven. Sometimes we go through droughts in our life, and I got good news today, you are always one word from God away from where you're supposed to be. So you're far from God today. Some of you are running from God today. Some of you are sick in your bodies today. But I got good news. You're always one word from the drought being over. God speaks his word and he heals bodies. God sends word and he fills nets. God sends rain and he ends droughts. And I believe that today he's going to do it in this room. So let's read this together. Luke chapter 5, verse 1. It says, as the multitude pressed about Jesus to hear the word of God. Why do they press on him to what? Hear the word of God. He stood by the lake and he saw two men, two boats, excuse me, two boats standing by the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them for they were washing the nets, washing their nets, washing what their. Then he got into one of the boats that belonged to Simon and he asked him to put out a little bit from the land. He sat down from Simon's boat and he taught the multitudes. When he stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep. Let down your nets. Let down your for a catch. Simon answered, he said, Lord, Master, we've toiled all night. We didn't catch anything. Andrew caught a cold. That's about it. That's not in there. Nevertheless, at your word, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they'd done this, they caught a great number of fish. And the net was breaking. The net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners. To their who? Partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they began, and as they came, they filled both boats. So they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this miracle, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish, which they had taken in. Also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners, that were partners with Simon. 
Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. From now on, you're going to catch men. And when they had brought their boats to the land, they forsook all. They forsook what? They forsook all when they got to the land and they followed Jesus. I want to talk to you today on the subject matter, ending, ending droughts. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we just thank you that you're a good God. We thank you that you're here right now with an anointing to break every hex, every vex. We declare that no curse without a cause shall alight, that no weapon formed against your kids shall prosper. I serve eviction notice to any witches or warlocks. You're either going to get saved in this service or you're going to go right now in Jesus' name. We appropriate the blood of the Lamb that heals bodies, renews minds, and evicts darkness. Lord Jesus, have your way in this room. Spirit of God, break out. In Jesus' name, if you got some faith, shout amen. Amen. I feel him in this room. Come on, give him a hand clap. Do you feel him in here today? I feel him in here today. I like to have a good time, but I know when God shows up. I, uh, I moved to California five years ago. I actually grew up in California first 17, first 18 years of my life. I moved to Idaho. I uh, got saved at 18 in a Benny Perez meeting. And thank you. I appreciate that. My mom's here in the back. She said hallelujah for me. And uh, was there for uh, 17 years. I actually married the pastor's daughter, became the youth pastor. Someone say job security. <laughs> Got the pastor, young people, then college students, became the chaplain at Boise State University, pastored a bunch of football players. My friend Jamar might be here. He played for the Cardinals. He lives here in Arizona. And I'm not sure if you're here, Jamar. It's good to have you. But I was thinking about, you know, this season of my life was really special, but it wasn't until I moved to California again that I started fishing a little bit. Now, I'm not going to claim to be a great fisherman, because I'm not, but I have some friends that are, and I'm not really into fishing. A couple reasons why is, first of all, when you go deep sea fishing, you got to wake up at like 2.30 in the morning. My wife and I are usually going to sleep around 2.30 in the morning. But we wake up early in the morning, you get on a boat the size of a minivan, you go out about 100 miles to San Clemente Island, and we went fishing for these. We do it like once a year, twice a year. They go more often. I can do it once a year. And you go out about 100 miles, and you're catching these 180-pound tuna. And uh, if you never caught a 180-pound tuna, I'll tell you what it's like. It's kind of like boxing Mike Tyson. <laughs> I had no idea how physically grueling it would be. The captain said, the rougher the water, the more they bite. I'm like, Lord, I hope there's no fish out here today. <laughs> You're in a minivan, 100 miles out in the middle of the ocean. We went out there, my buddies were fishing and I, and we're out there, and I, I locked into a 180-pound tuna. It took me 75 minutes to get this well onto the boat. The captain was so excited. He said, throw your line back in, there's more. I'm like, I'm not catching another fish for two years. I'm wiped out. And I'll be honest with you, I'm not a professional fisherman. I am, at best, a once-a-year hobby fisherman. And I'll be honest, the only thing worse than doing what I did was to go out there and catch nothing. And I was thinking, these professional fishermen, Luke chapter 5, Jesus is doing his recruiting trip for his team. He goes into the Sea of Galilee. He doesn't go to the University of Jerusalem. He goes to the Sea of Galilee. He finds some uneducated, untrained idiots. They were fishermen. And he goes to their boat. And notice what he does is he finds these guys and he says, let's go out, let's go fishing. And he would recruit fishermen with the language of fishermen because how many know every fisherman has a story to tell of the biggest fish they caught 
and the most fish they caught. And the day that God would enlist them in the ministry was the greatest day of fishing in their life. But it's interesting that it was the worst day of fishing until God's word came into their life. And I believe that this is what many of you are in right now. You are in a spiritual drought. You're in a place that you're catching nothing right now. Might have a full checking account, might live in your dream house, might be married to your dream husband, your dream, your dream wife, but if somewhere in your soul, you still feel like you are in a spiritual drought. Someone say drought. I love Dr. Maiden about, about nine, ten months ago, he had a word, actually it was the end of last year, about this time last year, that the drought would be over in California. I remember watching the news right after that he gave that word. And the meteorologist got on the news and said, the truth is, we're getting enough rain to end the drought. The problem is, we can't in California capture the rain as fast as it's falling, so it's going back into the ocean. And the problem in California is, it's not always the lack of rain, it's the lack of reservoirs. See, in California, we haven't built a new reservoir since 1980. 43 years, we haven't built a new reservoir. And because we don't have reservoirs, we can't capture the rain. And I believe that local churches are the reservoirs of the cities. And if we don't build more reservoirs, we can't capture God's rain. Are you hearing me today? Right now in Sacramento, they're building a mega reservoir. They say this one reservoir will provide enough water for 5 million people. And I believe that this church, listen to me, listen to me, Christ for the nation's church. This is a reservoir for the the state of Arizona. This is a watering hole for God's thirsty children. And the reason why this room is overflowing with anointing and overflowing with miracles and overflowing with the prophetic is because God wants this reservoir to literally quench the thirst of millions of people. If you believe it, shout amen. I actually believe in this next 40 years, this church will actually be responsible for quenching the thirst of millions in this state. You don't have enough properties, you don't have enough seats, you don't have enough staff, and listen to me, the resources are going to start coming in. You mark my words, there will be unusual miracles that happen in this place that aren't happening anywhere else in this state. This is a well. Come on, say with me, a well. And I believe that this well is going to quench the thirst of millions. If you believe it, say one more good amen. Right, the truth is we're living in a spiritual drought right now in America. We're living in a time period unlike any other. I've I've, I've been alive for 39 years. I look like I'm 38, but I'm 39. And I know that there's people older than me in this room, and we would all agree that we are on the brink of a moral revolution right now. How do you know that? Because right now in a moral revolution, whatever is universally condemned is now celebrated. In revolution times, what's universally celebrated is now condemned. And in in moral revolutions, those that refuse to celebrate are also condemned. You see, we're living in a day and age that we're calling good bad and bad good. Are you with me today? The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So where we don't fear God, there is no wisdom. You look around every morning, you wake up, and you go, what chapter of Revelations are we going to see on the news today? We're living in a wild window. We're preaching no longer the gospel of Jesus Christ, but the gospel of tolerance. Tolerance is where intelligent people act like idiots to not offend people that really are crazy. 
I'm telling you right now that the only sexual knowledge a third grader needs to know is that boys have cooties. We know that we're living in a spiritual drought, a moral drought, because in the 1940s, men lied about their age so they could give their lives in World War II to fight evil. Today, in 2023, men lie about their genders so they can compete in women's sports. The fact that we're being fact-checked by men that think they can breastfeed reveals that we are living in a spiritual, moral drought. It's okay to say, if you get nervous to say amen. I know I'm preaching the truth today. You know why? Because worldliness is whatever makes sin look good and makes righteousness look strange. This is the hour that we're living in right now. It's such a nonsensical window of history that we're, we're mourning miscarriages, but we're celebrating abortions. We have a confused society. We have headline news that are becoming the prayer points of Babylon. This is what the church has to realize. We have to do this. Speak the truth, but we have to speak the truth in. And I'm telling you that we live right now in an hour where love is being spoken without truth or where truth is being spoken without love. We need both. One man said that truth without love is like surgery without anesthesia. But love without truth is medicine bottles with nothing in it. We need both. Can I get an amen? amen. And if you want to know who's in charge of any society, find out who you can't talk bad about. I'm telling you, I know we're living in a crazy day. California, the only place you can find gas for under $5 is at Taco Bell. <laughs> I know it's a heavy message. i got to put some humor in here. Listen, I was raised in the late 1900s. I have two older brothers, John and Lucifer. I'm kidding. His name's Satan. Can I get an amen? I'm the youngest of three brothers. The days that we grew up in are far different than the, the society that we're drifting into right now. The truth becomes hard if it's not softened by love, but love becomes soft if it's not strengthened by truth. And what I've learned is, is that the people that you offend with truth, if you get offended by people that offend you with truth, those people don't hate you. It's the people that comfort you with lies. They're the ones that hate you. And if you prefer to be comforted with lies than offended with truth, you hate yourself. God is coming right now, and I believe that he is awakening a, a hunger in the people of God to end a spiritual drought in our land. If you believe it, shout amen. God's ways are behind the scenes, but he's moving all the scenes that he's behind. How do you know? Because God, throughout, from Genesis to Revelations, he ended famines, he ended droughts, he ended storms. Are you hearing me today? And I feel like we're living in a precipice window right now that God is getting ready to end the drought in our state, in our nation, and I believe even in the Middle East. If you believe God can do it, say amen. amen. Many people don't have faith for this anymore. Many people think it's just, this is the way that it is. But I want to remind you that discouraging, frustrating times is when God does his greatest work. God has always used crisis to elevate his people. Problems promote God's kids. God used problems to make Abraham rich. God used a problem named Goliath to actually elevate David. God used a, a floating zoo to elevate a guy named Noah. God used a guy named Daniel and a bunch of, 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 of crazy kings to elevate one of the wisest counselors to any king in history. God used my shack, your shack, and a bungalow. 
in the middle of a fiery furnace to promote those guys. Ladies and gentlemen, whether it was Joseph, Esther, Moses, God has always used crisis to elevate people. Can I get a, can I get a witness? But the problem in the churches today is we want promised lands without problems. We want miracles without messes. We want victories without battles. We want breakthroughs without bad days. We want power but not prayer. And what I've learned in California, if you pastor a church there, is that our intensity, our spiritual intensity must match the intensity of the culture that we're in or we'll become spiritually irrelevant. And we have to, we, we want big results with small prayers. We got to match what's going on in Babylon with a fire in God's house. And I'm telling you that God can do it in our day. This is our finest hour. A spiritual hunger is at an all-time high in our nation. Political, economical, moral, racial uh, divisions going on right now in the world. This is the hour of God's children, of the bride of Christ, to be salt, to be light, and to show the world a better way. And the truth is, is there's droughts. There's national droughts. 1 Kings 18 says there was a drought in Israel. And the great prophet, Dr. Mike, no, his, uh, his name was Elijah. He said, how long in this drought will you be stuck between two opinions? He said, if Jesus is Lord, if Yahweh is God, worship him. But if he's not Lord, then why waste your time? And today, I would, I would uh, echo the words of C.S. Lewis that Christianity is of either all importance or it's of no importance. The only thing that Jesus Christ cannot be is moderately important. There's 4,000 world religions in the world, but there's only one empty tomb. There was over 10,000 people crucified on Roman crucifixions, but we know none of their names except Jesus Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, if Jesus didn't get out of the grave, we wouldn't know his name. I feel like preaching up in here. If I can get a Pentecostal amen, I'll take a Baptist head nod. You can be Presbyterian eyebrow race. I'll take a Latter-day Saint deep breath. Give me something today. We end droughts in our state. We end droughts in our cities. We end droughts in the church. And guess what? You can even end personal droughts in your marriage, in your business, with your children. Where does God end droughts? Luke 5, Luke, Luke 5, John chapter 21, he ends droughts in two settings. The droughts were ended, number one, when he found people that were willing to clean out their nets. I have a disease with every other pastor in America that my four points start with the same letter. Is that all right? First C word, say with me, clean nets. I'm telling you that I, I just officiated a, a wedding yesterday. I have officiated a lot of weddings. I think I've done 81 or 82 weddings now. And what I've learned about weddings is I've been to all different backgrounds. I've been to all different varieties, nationalities on African weddings, Puerto Rican weddings. I've done, I mean, anything you can think of, I've done it. I've done all different types of celebrations, music, uh, settings. I've seen tall brides, short brides, you name it. But the one bride I have never seen out of all the weddings I've officiated is I've never seen a bride that was dirty. And I want you to know that Jesus Christ is coming back for his church. And he's not coming back for a dirty bride. He's coming back for a church that's pure. He's coming back for a bride that is ready to get married. Many people's eschatology is that God is going to come back for some broke down church that's in the fetal position, praying to God to rescue them in a rapture. I want you to know that Jesus isn't coming back for a broke down bride. 
He's not coming back to rescue some toothless, dirty bride. He's coming back to marry a glorious bride. I personally think that he's coming back for a bride that's in California because it says that she's without spot and without wrinkle. It's a lot of Botox in Orange County. Can I get a witness? He's coming back for a glorious bride. And really, there's two types of churches. There's churches that preach a message that God's coming back for a broke-down church with no power, that we have to suffer, that we're victims, that we just are going to have to endure the hardships of hell. Or those those that, like Dr. Mike Maiden, say that there is a glorious king named Jesus, and he's raising up overcomers in his church, and he's coming back for a glorious, good-looking bride. If you believe that's here, come on, say Amen. And I I feel like many people don't realize that God ends droughts when we make up our minds to say, God, clean my nets. Psalms Psalms 24 says, who may ascend the hill of the Lord? It says he who has clean hands. He who has a pure heart. He who has not lifted up his soul to an idol. It says in Psalms 51, David prays, he says, Lord, create in me a clean heart. Renew in me a steadfast spirit. It says, Psalms 19, verse 9, the fear of the Lord is clean. It's enduring forever. I think most people, the number one reason why God can't use you more is because you are not prepared enough. You see, how we live doesn't determine how much God loves us, but how we live will determine how much God can use us. 2 Timothy 2 verse 20 says that in a great house, there's not only vessels of silver and gold, but also of wood and clay. It says some are for honor, some are for dishonor. It says if you you allow God to clean you, God will use you as a vessel of honor. I believe that God wants to raise up Christians that say, God, clean out my nets. Have you ever read Luke chapter 5 and said, wait, why? Were they cleaning their nets when it says they didn't catch anything? Notice this. It says they didn't catch any fish. They were cleaning their nets because what we know about humanity is, is if you're not catching God's fish in your purpose, you'll catch Babylon's weeds. I believe they were cleaning out the Kirkland water bottles. They were cleaning out the seaweed. You see, we live in a fallen world, and if you're not catching God's purpose, you'll catch, you'll catch the, 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 the darkness of our land. I think most of God's kids aren't dreaming with God because their dreams are dying in the soil of amusement. I heard it said that you get old when you're more excited about your memories than you are your future. God wants you to dream a new dream. Can I get an amen? God wants to clean out your nets. Dallas Willard said it best. He said, the primary job of God is to find men and women to whom he can entrust his power. He said, the problem is this, though, is most of the people that he gives power to, they bring harm to themselves and to those that are under their care. How long of a list of people do we have in the NBA, in the NHL, in in PGA, in the church that have been given gifts, given power, but they didn't let God clean out their nets? God will raise those up that have a clean heart. God is looking for those that are contrite, pure in heart. It says, blessed are the pure in heart. They shall see. You know what they called prophets in the Old Testament? They called them seers. 
You know what I believe? I believe that there's not very many prophets in the body of Christ today because you have to be pure in heart to see God. And most people are so full of pornography and so full of compromise that it's hard to see God when your well has been polluted. It's getting quiet up in the Presbyterian church. I'm going to preach it. I'm, I'm, preaching to, I'm preaching to hearts, not to faces today, though. Here's what I know is that God wants to clean out our hearts. Can I get an amen? God wants to clean out our nets. I've learned that without God, he won't. But without us, without, without God, we can't. Without us, he will not. To have found God and to still pursue him is the soul's paradox of love, according to A.W. Tozer. Ladies and gentlemen, we got to have a church that has clean nets. They say right now on the earth, there's five billion, with a B, that do not know Jesus Christ personally. To give you a context to how many human beings that is, if you were to form a single file line, human being after human being after human being, five billion people would go all the way around the Earth's equator, not one time, not two times, but 37 times. That's how many of God's kids that right now do not know him and I don't think that most of them want to know God because they see the church and it's full of garbage in our nets. Come on. Uh, D Dietrich Bonhoeffer said that the way that we live should actually make the world question why we don't have God. There's, so, there's something about the way we live that should get, gather the world's attention and say, maybe there is a God because of the way you live your life. The second thing that we know about the story that God ended the drought where number one, he said, clean nets. Number two, he said that, that God ended the drought, filled the nets, but it was after Simon was willing to give God his boat. I want you to write this title down, Commandeered Career, Commandeered Calling. You see, most people want their walk with God to be only at church on Sundays. But I want you to know that Jesus didn't go to the cross for partial custody. Jesus didn't go to the cross for weekend visitations. We serve a God that wants full custody of his kids. And I want you to know that in this atmosphere today, I want you to know right now that God wants to go to your work, whether you're a school teacher, whether you're a doctor, whether you're an attorney, you're an entrepreneur, you're a window washer, you got a landscape company. Listen to me. God wants to preach his message from your boat. You know what he did? He got into the boat that had clean nets. He got into the boat that had clean nets. And when he got into the boat, he said, shove off from shore. And know what he did? He preached from Simon's business, the word of God to the crowd. And after Simon let Jesus preach the word from his business, his boat, you know what happened next? After he leveraged his career for the kingdom, God said, now launch out into the deep. Some of you want launch out into the deep, net-breaking, boat-sinking blessing, but you won't invite God into your boardroom. You won't, you won't invite God into your office. Some of you have ethics and business ethics. There's no such thing. If you rip people off for a living, get a new career. God wants you to be a voice. God wants you to be salt. Wants you, are you hearing me today? I know, it's, I know I'm preaching the truth up in here today, but I just feel like God wants to preach from your boat. And when you give your boat to God, it's so exciting because when you let God commandeer your calling, it's so awesome. He'll let you launch out into the deep. And when you go into the deep, it's so exciting because he'll make a difference in your career that you can never make on your own. The third thing we know is, is that the, the third area is that there's not only a clean nets, 
There's not only a calling that God commandeers. I believe that God has a magic control key, and it's called spontaneous obedience. I've met a lot of the great men and women of God, your pastor being one of them, your pastors being one of them. And what I've learned about all of them, they have something in common. They have these miracle stories. They were given $30 million properties and have 70 campuses and have 100,000 people they're discipling in the state of Alabama. And they all have the same story. They prayed, they obeyed, and they acted. You know what I noticed about the story? Many of you didn't catch it. Jesus gave them an invitation to grab the nets, and Simon had enough faith to grab one net. Notice that Jesus said, grab the nets, with an S, plural, and it says, Simon grabbed the net, and it says the net began to break. I believe that Simon had partial faith, partial obedience. God brought enough fish for two nets, but he only had enough faith to bring one net. And for someone here today, I hear the Lord saying, if you, wanna, if you want maximum results, you gotta have maximum obedience. Sometimes we wait for the fish. Sometimes we only wanna catch fish that are already clean. But I've learned this, that sometimes there's a mess with God's blessing. Sometimes there's a little chaos before there's a crazy breakthrough. And I love the fact that he says, grab the nets. But he grabbed one net. And today I just feel like the Lord prophetically saying, don't grab one net, grab two. Don't grab one net, grab two. Some of you think that God's gonna barely meet your needs. God wants to do more than meet your needs. He doesn't say you're an overcomer, he says you're more. An overcomer is someone that gets out of a bad neighborhood, that get, gets into a good career, that gets into a good job, that gets into a good marriage, that breaks a cycle of that darkness in their past. But someone that's more than an overcomer doesn't just do that. They go back to the neighborhood they came from and they buy the house and they fix up the neighborhood. That's more than an overcomer. I was raised in the high desert. I, I grew up seven years old, parents got divorced. Dad had a nervous breakdown. My mom didn't graduate high school. We moved into the Section 8 housing in Lancaster, California, home of Afro Man and Paul George. Can I get a witness? And I grew up there. I remember living in a rough area, had nothing. And I remember growing up in this dark environment, dysfunctional environment. But it was when I was 18 years old, Jesus said, I am real. I still heal. I'm still powerful. And as Benny Perez spoke at a summer camp in the mountains of Idaho while I was visiting my dad, I had an encounter with Jesus Christ, and I watched him heal many people that were sick. One girl broke her ankle, and the swelling and the color, discoloration went away, and she began to run around the auditorium after she got an x-ray that morning of a broken ankle. I've seen God do almost every miracle in the New Testament. And my story is, I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be pastoring a great church in Orange County. I shouldn't have married a supermodel pastor's daughter that's a prophetic voice to a generation. I shouldn't have two beautiful little girls. I shouldn't be a, a part of leading this, this movement called Baptize California, and in 2025, it's going to be Baptize America. But here's what I know, is that God doesn't just raise up overcomers. He raises up those that are more than an overcomer. The truth is, most of us don't get free because we don't get honest. You will only be as free as you are honest. Jesus said you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So you're telling me this, yeah, I am telling you this, that you'll only be as free as you are honest. 
Some of you today got to realize that your closets are for clothes and vacuum cleaners, not for skeletons. God will set you free. Well, I was born this way. Well, we were all born some way. We were all born with a fallen nature. That's why God tells Jesus, Jesus tells God, Jesus tells Nicodemus in John chapter 3 that you must be why did he say born again? Because he knew that one day people would hide behind an excuse that I was born this way. I was born with heterosexual temptation. I was born with, with anger. I was born with rage. Because when you don't have a father growing up, men get angry and women get promiscuous. But I want you to know that you might, you might have came f- through your parents, but you came from God. And when God comes into your life, he can remove the anger and he can make you pure again. If you believe it, give him a 10 second hand clap in this place. I feel like preaching in Arizona. I know that your pastor preaches this every week. God can heal you everywhere that you hurt. But you have two choices. You can either make excuses or you can make changes. You can't do both. The problem today is that because we live in a spiritual drought, we have the victim Olympics going on. Who is the biggest victim? No, no, no. It's not about victim mentality. It's about victorious raising up. And God will make you more than a conqueror to him who loves you. For I am persuaded, Paul says, that neither life nor death, nor angels, nor principalities or powers, nor things present, nor things to come, can separate you or me from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm not preaching to a bunch of victims today. I'm preaching to overcomers today. I'm preaching to somebody that's getting free today. I'm preaching to someone that's getting healed today. I feel like preaching to someone that's going to end a drought today. If you believe it, come on, give them 10 seconds of crazy praise. Most people never end droughts because they don't let God clean their nets. They don't let the Holy Spirit come in and and not only clean their nets, but they don't let the Holy Spirit come in and, and commandeer their boats. Maybe they don't have the faith to obey God instantaneously. I've learned that Peter, knew, Peter was the smartest guy for saying, Lord, we tried everything without you, but because you gave me a word, at your word, you know what I found even sometimes in prophetic churches like ours and like this? Many people want a word from God. They just don't want the word of God. We know enough to own a Bible, but not enough for the Bible to own us. And I want you to know the Bible will keep you from darkness or darkness will keep you from the Bible. We got to have a love and a thirst for God's words. I know the Bible is inspired. Otherwise, it wouldn't have survived all the terrible preaching over the ages. This book is inspired, ladies and gentlemen. And people go, Mark, what's the Bible about? Well, it's really broken down into four sections. It's creation. It's God's chosen people. It's the Christ. It's the church. In 66 books, 40 authors, written over 1,600 years with no contradictions. It was written in three languages, started off being written by Moses in lonely Arabia, and it was finished on the island of Patmos by a disciple by, by the name of John. I believe this book is the only book on the planet that when you read it, it reads you. And what I know is this, is that before any spiritual drought in history was ended, there was always a resurgence and an honor for this book. 
And the problem is we live in a day right now that you say what's culturally acceptable or you say what God's word says. And I want you to know I would rather offend you than offend God. And until the church gets the fear of God into them and say, look, I love every one of you, but if I have to, if I have to side with anybody, we're taking God's side. And, as, and I'm almost finished. The keyboard will come up here. I'm about done today. As I believe this, wrap this up, that God is coming back for a, a, a church. He's going to end the drought when we have clean nets, when we're willing to have commandeered callings, when we, when we have this, this really uh, instant obedient to be controlled by the voice of the Holy Spirit. And the fourth C word is kingdom partnerships. That's a joke. I wanted all my letters, all my words to start with the same letter, so I snuck that in there. I love that the greatest catch of all time, listen to me, it could have been hoarded. The greatest catch of Simon's career could have been kept to themselves. I think if this would have happened in modern day churches, they would have said, shh, let's, let's load the boat up with fish, let's go back cash in our fish and then go back to our fishing hole and not tell any other fishermen about our good day. But notice this. They said, they said the net began to break when they were by themselves, but the boat didn't begin to sink until they included their partners. I believe the world of the generous gets larger and larger. It's wild as our church the more we've given away, the more God has blessed our church. This last couple months, we've given more money away. I'm like, how is our church able? We're a five-year-old church. We bought an $18 million building last year. We raised $5 million in 35 days. The last two months, we gave $125,000 no, to Maui. We gave, uh, what do we have? Tell me, Paul. We gave uh, $25,000 to the ministry that we support in Israel. We gave, uh, oh man, we gave $50,000 to another church in Orange County last week. And we just keep sowing and sowing and sowing, partnering with other boats. And the more we include other boats, the more God puts the fish in our nets. You know, it's funny, everybody wants to have full nets, but no one wants to signal for the partner boats. Some of you today, you know, you know what's killing you? Insecurity. I think insecurity is the signature of those that are fearful. Insecurity is rooted in the idea that if God blesses them, there's less blessing for me. I want to remind you, Arizona, God's not like you and me. He can give everyone in this room a million dollars and still have more money to give. He doesn't run out of money. He doesn't run out of resources. I actually believe even the natural resources in the earth, I believe we serve an inexhaustible God. It's always funny, they're like, oh, we're going to run out of oil, and then someone discovers more oil. It's like, you really think that God, overpopulation, I'm like, have you driven through Nevada? We got plenty of space to keep growing. We got people lying to society saying there's not enough. But listen to me, we serve El Shaddai. We don't serve Jehovah barely. I don't worship Jehovah broke. He is El Shaddai. He is more than enough. Do you believe it today? Say amen. amen. Kingdom partnerships. God is raising up leaders, I believe, in churches that aren't just interested in filling up their boats. They're interested in filling up the big C church boats. 
Matt and Candace, I believe that you're going to be instrumental in this generation. I believe the hand of God is on both of you. And I even felt this morning as we worship, I felt like, stretch forth your hands, church. I feel something here today. I heard the Lord saying there was a mantle. It's on your mom and your dad. And what God told me years ago is this. He said, mantles aren't just for men. They're for mission. And when men die, mantles don't die with them. We don't need mantles in heaven. Mantles are on the earth for missions. And I believe even these next seven years, you're going to watch the mantle of God every 12 months double. The prophetic, the word of knowledge, that pastoral ability to administrate and to lead. You have the gift of leadership. I see this church being like a well-run warship. You're not, you're, not, you're not driving a carnival cruise ship in this church. God's going to raise you guys up in due time, almost like a battleship. And I believe there's a wisdom coming on you today. And I heard a word called boldness. And I heard the Lord say, there's a mantle I'm going to put on Matt in his preaching and his teaching. It's on Candace, going to come on you stronger in your preaching and your teaching. And there's going to be this Acts chapter 4 boldness that shakes the region. I pray it would fall over all the staff. I pray it would fall over all of the pastoral ministry. I thank you that it's on Dr. Maiden. It's on Miss Mary. And I believe it's on this church. There is a nation-shaking boldness. And you're going to step into it. I pray right now, Holy Spirit, a fresh anointing to fall on the leadership team of Christ for the nations. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. He's here. You know what I love about this story? I'll wrap this up. They told me I had till 2 p.m. I want to honor that time. I love this story because when their nets were full, I don't know if you know this, but when you're a fisherman and you catch so many fish that your boat sinks and your net breaks, I don't know if you know this or not, but that's a very, very lucrative day at work. That would be the greatest day of sales they've ever had. And what captivated my heart about this story is I think the reason why God let Simon become Peter and have him speak to him saying, on this rock, I will build my church. I believe there's something special for those that don't just choose God with empty nets. I believe there's something special for people that say, I have a full net, but I still choose Jesus. The world has always been lying to the church saying, you choose Jesus if you have no other options. No, I'm here today in Arizona to tell you, you choose Jesus when you have every option in the world. I'm in Orange County. We got people in our church that live in 40, 50 million dollar houses, 20 million dollars in cars, have done everything that world says to do, married a model, have the little postcard family, and still yet they're suicidal. I've done Bible studies in their house and I've counseled them because they're empty on the inside. You can get everything that Babylon uh, advertises and still have a deficit in your soul. But I'll tell you today, I think one of my mandates in life isn't just to, to reach people. We've done 16 orphanages in, in, in India. I got to go there two weeks ago and dedicate our newest house. 800 kids, our church, have gotten off the streets in India. We're reaching those that have nothing, but one of our mandates is to reach people that have full nets. 
and say, do you want the miracles or do you want the man? Do you want the blessing or do you want the blesser? Do you want the promised land or do you want the promise making God? And I'll tell you in America today, I think we get it mixed up, that we want what's in God's hand without going after what's in God's heart. I learned long ago that if you have God's heart, you'll have God's hands. If you'll go after the man, you'll have the miracles. We got people in, in America today that are so obsessed with miracles, and I love miracles. I see them every week in our church. But I don't drive 800 miles to go to a special church to get an angel feather and a gold filling. The Bible doesn't say that we're supposed to chase miracles. It says signs and wonders are supposed to follow us. I don't follow miracles, I follow the miracle worker. And when you follow the miracle working man, you'll have miracles. Peter says, I got full nets, but I would rather leave full nets and have Jesus Christ, the Messiah, than have a bunch of money without the man. I don't know who you are and where you are today, but I feel a, I'm enlisting some of you that you have everything that you've ever wanted in your life, but you've never given your heart to Jesus. The truth is, you've always thought that, that Christ was for weak people. I want, I want you to know two things. We're all weak. We're all weak. And you can be strong financially and spiritually still bankrupt. God's going to end a drought in this room right now. He's healing someone right now. You have tendonitis. Stand up. Feel it right now. He's being healed. There's someone in here. You have, you have a eczema, really severe eczema. You get it on your eyes and on your face. Stand up right now. There's someone in here. You have a, you have a pulled, uh, it's like, like ligament, and it's actually it's affecting your hip flexor and your groin. Just stand up right now. If I called you earlier with the, with, the, with the balloon in your stomach, you had a surgery, and something's wrong in your body right now, stand up. There's someone in here, you have a thyroid condition, they can't regulate your thyroid pressure, stand up right now. There's someone here with severe cataracts, I want you to stand up right now, any cataracts, stand up right now. There's someone in here, you have this, uh, this weird, uh, it's almost like a condition in your feet, they can't figure out, it's like created a rash, I want you to stand up right now. There's someone that you spent a lot of money trying to fix your back. You've done three back surgeries. They're talking about doing a fourth one. And I hear the Lord saying today that try my surgery procedure. Stand up right now. You have se severe sciatic pain. Stand up right now. Someone got in a car accident. It was with a red Toyota pickup truck. Stand up right now. Yeah, he's here. And I see someone right now, you got like some sort of accident, you hurt like your knee, you're in a hot air balloon. Stand up. Stand up. All over this room right now. I feel the Holy Spirit. Someone's been trying to get pregnant. Doctor said you cannot have kids. And I believe that God is going to open up even the barren womb. I'm not going to have you stand. I know some of you associate that with being embarrassed. But I want to do this. How about lastly, I know there's already all these standing. I'm going to pray for you. But last thing we're going to do, if you have a physical miracle that you're in need of, I want you to stand up right now. Right now, just, I need a healing in my body, physically. Physically. Second category, you have an addiction you want to get broken off today, you can stand up. If you're honest enough to stand, God will be strong enough to save. Yeah. I'm just going to let the Holy Spirit 
And just want to know, if you're standing, I want you to close your eyes. I've never healed anybody. But I've prayed for people all over the world, and I've seen God heal them. I've seen two ladies that have told me their stories. They had partial hysterectomies that actually I prayed for, and they have kids now. One has three children. God physically put organs back into her body. Happened to two ladies, one in Northern California, one in Australia. I've seen blind eyes open. I've seen deaf ears open. If you need a miracle, why don't you stand up right now if you can. If someone's standing next to you, because we're going to do, we do this at my church every Sunday, and every Sunday God heals people. I want to enlist everyone in this church. If there's someone standing next to you, I want you to put your hand on their shoulder. Find someone, put your hand on their shoulder. I want everybody to have a hand on their shoulder. If your neighbor's standing up, grab their hand. We're going to pray right now. Jesus said, we lay hands on the sick and they would recover. All over this church, Christ for the nations, right now, I want you to pray this prayer. Stay with me. Pray this prayer. Say, Jesus. Come on, like you mean it. Say, Jesus, you said we would lay hands on the sick and they would recover. So I prophesy in Jesus Christ's name, healing, top of their head, soles of their feet. Do what doctors, surgery, rehab, counseling, do what others cannot. Do it better, do it faster. Life, right now, coming into your body. Someone that that back issue, you're getting healed right now. You can feel this like electricity going through your spine. I was in Louisiana. I called out a girl that had a, she had a scoliosis. She was going to get surgery. She was one of the pastor's daughters. Her back was as crooked as a question mark. And God healed her spine. They did x-ray. She has a brand new straight spine right now. I was at the same meeting and I said, there was someone that God is healing from, the, from a spirit of death. You tried to commit suicide and God wasn't going to just heal you today. He was going to remove the scars of when you tried to commit suicide. And a girl screamed in the back of the stadium. She looked down and where she slid her wrist, the scars were gone. We serve a God that can do anything. We sang about it a second ago. Do you believe it in Arizona? I said, do you believe it in Arizona? I want everyone to stand to your feet. I feel this power in this room. I feel the, the glory of the Spirit of God in this room. Someone is going to file chapter 11 this week. And God says, I'm going to open up the windows of heaven over you. And I'm going to write a new story. You're not going to go under. I'm going to cause you to rise. There's a new job, a new business opportunity coming into your lap this week in Jesus' name. Someone's on the brink of divorce, and I hear the Lord saying that you gotta, you gotta, this is the day that you're gonna forgive, and God is gonna begin to heal you everywhere you're wounded. God's bringing your husband in to the kingdom of God this week. This week. He's not here, but he's coming this week. He's gonna be in church this next Sunday. God's gonna heal your marriage in Jesus' name. All over the room. Just lift your hands. Say, Holy Spirit, I welcome you. Heal. Speak. Say, clean my nets. Speak from my boat. Commandeer my calling. I want to obey you. I want to partner with others. And I want you to be my master. I told first service, that we're born looking like our parents, but we die looking like what we worship.
And I believe that we're going to be worshipers in this church. God is ending a drought. If you feel like there's been a drought in your life, just this last thing I'm going to do, I want you to wave your hands. I've been in a drought, financial drought, relational drought. I've been in a health drought, spiritual, whatever it is. Just give God a wave offering right now. Just grab your neighbor's hand right now. We're going to take authority over every drought in this room. Grab your neighbor's hand. Grab their sweaty hand. Come on, grab that sweaty hand. And I want you to declare this all over this church today. Say in Jesus Christ's name, we cancel every assignment of the enemy. We declare the drought is over. The rain is coming. God, fill up their nets. Sink their boat with your blessing, with your favor. We prophesy a season of miracles, answered prayers, and God doing all things well. In Jesus' name. Now watch this. If you're here, let go of their hand. If you're here right now, there's like, I think there's at least like 37 people in this service that God's going to get a hold of your heart right now. Your heart's beating out of your chest. You just, we prayed, but you know you're not living for Jesus. You came in here away from God, and you're saying, Mark, from here out, I want Jesus on my boat. Not just in my boat, I want Him leading my life. I don't want to be a believer in, in name. I want to be a believer in my nature. I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. I believe there's 37 people in this service. There was, I think, 15 last service. I want you to close your eyes. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want you to raise your hand up for me. I'm going to count the hands. Is that all right? I'll give you three seconds. Just start raising your hands right now. There's 37, I believe. Raise your hand real high. Thank you. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three. Was that? I don't know if that was twenty-four. Real high. Twenty-five, twenty-six, twenty-seven, twenty-eight, twenty-nine, thirty, thirty-one, thirty-two, thirty-three, thirty-four, thirty-five, thirty-six, thirty-seven. All right. Thirty-eight. Bonus. Thirty-nine, forty, forty-one, forty-two. We'll give God a hand clap for some extra. Is that all right? net breaking boat sinking that's great I'm gonna guess that's a lot of people for a normal Sunday put your hand on your heart God's doing something today pray this prayer with those 42 people say Jesus Christ I declare today you are God I believe and I invite you into my life heal me forgive me Lead me and guide me from this day forward. Thank you for a great church, a love for your word, and for friends that know you better than I do. In Jesus' name, all God's kids said, sorry for going long. Have a great week. God bless you. Amen. You guys can take a seat just for a minute. If we can have the ushers come forward, we're going to bless Pastor Mark take an offering for him. How many of you guys appreciate Pastor Mark and that word today? That was awesome. We received that as a church. You know, we never pressure people to give, but we give you the opportunity to give. And I believe it's an opportunity right now to sow into what God is doing in this ministry. And something I've learned is when you're in a drought financially, when you have a great need, that's when you need to sow seed. 
So if you are having financial drought, I would encourage you, sow a seed today as just an act of faith that God's gonna bring you breakthrough in your finances, amen? Ushers, you can go ahead and, and pass the buckets. Worship Jesus. We want to have the altar team, prayer team come forward, please. If you need a miracle in your body, if you don't know Jesus, if you need anything in this moment, we encourage you to come down for prayer. Just a reminder, we have Family Sunday going on after church, so please join us. It's going to be a great time. You guys are awesome. Have a blessed day. In Jesus' name.